0: Nate Marchand, Personal Journal. With that ugly red spider recaptured and UTAM Goliathon's whereabouts still unknown, I decided to do some actual film curation. You know, my other job. <sighs> Unfortunately, I had to acquire them from the personal library of Hannibal Chow. Yes, the black market dealer who famously survived being eaten by a baby kaiju. He also delivered kaiju blue to Cameron Winter a while back on the beta site, but not even Mr. Gold would confirm that. He probably didn't want to be indicted, and I don't blame him. Anyway, the bone slums aren't the safest neighborhood, to say the least, so I asked Jimmy to tag along with me. I see seriously need to take some self-defense classes and get a firearm license with everything I've been through the last few years. So we left Uber Mogra in the capable hands of Jimmy's Planet X girlfriend, ba dum tish. We parked the Mecca at the Shek Kong airfield, which is a military base. Jimmy wasn't able to get permission to land at the civilian Hong Kong international airport. A pair of RAF soldiers drove us into the city in a jeep. And then we rode the peak tram, one of the most iconic ways to get around in Hong Kong, apparently, to the outskirts of the slums. The only way to get around there, unless you have a bicycle or a motorbike, is by foot. I've never seen Jimmy that hyper-aware before. His soldier's instincts kicked in hard. The kaiju skeleton there is Reckoner's. I'd seen pictures of the monster when he was alive and of the shantytown built around him, but photos didn't prepare me to see the real deal. The place was crowded, but I'm pretty sure half the people we saw were hobos. It smelled like a gross combination of compost and human body odor. At least that's what I hope it was. Ugh. We soon came to Chao's pharmacy at the corner of Fong and Tull. It's an opulent oasis in this desert of poverty. His bodyguards escorted us to a vestibule, where we met the infamous bohemian playboy, who said, Well, well, well. It's not often anyone visits me wanting something I didn't rip out of a kaiju's ugly insides. I was feeling overconfident and snarky. What else is new? So I said, you would know because you saw them firsthand. He shot back. No one, and I do mean no one, takes my shoes. He tapped his fancy footwear, saying, I gutted that kaiju myself, and I sold every piece of furniture for a crap ton of money. The last laugh was mine. Well, aren't you a badass, I said. There was a metallic click, and Chow whipped out a knife, which shot at my face. I flinched, but Jimmy intercepted Chow's hand and deflected the attack. Chow said, Nice move, Ginger. Regardless, I don't like your tone, kid. Then let's get to business, I said. The powers that be on Monster Island tell me you have a film from your personal collection you'd like to sell them. Chow replied, you damn right I do. Come with me. He led us to a room with shelves full of film reels. It smelled of dust and hardwood. I recognized dozens of titles written on the masking tape labels in both English and Chinese. The Monkey Goes West, Mars Men, and The Mighty Peking Man, to name a few. Those, last I checked, were already in the island's vault. Peking Man I knew for sure was in it because it was my next episode. What am I here to get again, I wondered? As if in response, Chow said, Thunder of Gigantic Serpent is a weird little movie starring Pierre Kirby and written by the infamous Godfrey Ho. The print I have will make the transfer released by Frolic Pictures look like it was buried in an ashtray. In fact, as he droned on and on, huh, I glanced over and saw a real labeled Youngery 1999 original. My eyes widened. That version had never been released anywhere. It was practically a grail for kaiju fans. I looked at the highfalutin black marketer and, pointing at this reel, asked, that's great and all, but how much for this one? Chow brandished his knife at me and said, I saw most things, but that's not one of them. Now, it's not even my best print that has a so-called limited release or specialty 4K, 2K, whatever the hell restoration. I have Pulgasari. Yeah, that's right. Pulgasari. And Bulgasari, And. He went back to pontificating about his film collection, but I had to force myself not to stare at that reel. With it, I could finally confirm if the movie had a practical suit and not awful CGI. Why should such a treasure be left in the hands of a criminal? I glanced at Jimmy and cocked my head toward the reel. He nodded. It was big dang Robin Hood time. As Chow walked down the hall, I slipped my hand like a pickpocket into the shelf and pulled the yongery reel out. Slowly. The quiet grinding, stabbing my ears like a screeching owl. Until I had it. I hid it behind my back and gestured at Jimmy to signal a silent retreat. While Chow continued his lecture, we crept back, steadily accelerating the farther we got away until… Where the hell are you going with my property? Run! I exclaimed at Jimmy. Get them! Chow yelled. As we entered the vestibule, three or four bodyguards jumped in front of us, but Jimmy, who was a bit faster than me, took them down with a few Kirkfu strikes. I ran ahead and shoved the big doors open. Jimmy quickly caught up as we dashed down the street. I'm sure the residents wonder what these two white guys were doing running around like bats out of the Christian hell. Until the slumlord white guy came out and shouted profanities at us. Still, nobody did anything. Such is the reward of tyranny. But as Jimmy and I rounded a corner, three of Chow's goons cut us off. Panicking, we banked down the alleyway riddled with garbage. As we exited onto the street, I narrowly ducked in time to avoid a dude flying at me foot first like Bruce Lee. I looked up and saw the guy brawling with a few goons. A street fight? Subtly, one of Chow's men grabbed me from behind. Jimmy, because he's a big dang hero, I keeped my assailant, knocking him out. I knew it was bad when my intrepid producer was whipping out the other ridiculous fighting style he'd mastered. The other two henchmen grappled with Jimmy. I tried to punch one of them, but my strike hurt me more than it hurt him, so I ended up backing off, shaking what felt like a broken hand. The Street Fighters, I noticed, had suddenly disappeared. Scare them off? Hi, Kiba! Ha! cried Jimmy as he performed an insane double kick, which loosened his foe's grips just enough to free himself. He spun around, striking one in the back of his neck and the goon crumpled. On the other, Jimmy unleashed that magic gut punch that inexplicably knocks everyone unconscious. Still trying to figure that one out. We stood in silence for several pregnant seconds and someone yelled, CUT! Jimmy and I looked in the direction of the shout and my jaw hit the pavement. Sitting in a director's chair was a short Asian guy holding a megaphone and smiling ear to ear. It was none other than Dax Lowe, the stuff man turned Power Ranger and turned film director, apparently. How the heck did such a hyperactive goofball make it that far in show business? Talk about failing upwards. That was amazing, he blared from his megaphone. Whoever you are, I'll make you all stars in my movie, Ninja Rumba 7. I love the badass with a dorky sidekick routine. Takes me back to my youth. Who's your stunt agency? I facepalm, forgetting I punched a guy in the face a minute ago, shooting pain through my hand and arm. Thank you for catching those thieves, Mr. Lowe. I turned around and saw Chow swaggering toward us. For that, I'll help fund your film. I love the Nindarumba series. Dax gasped loud enough to be heard on Monster Island. Hannibal Chow is producing my movie, Hot Diggity Damn! I'm hitting the big time now! He ran past me and intercepted the Black Marketer, who towered over him. How was this dork ever a Power Ranger? My next film's one that you'd definitely be interested in. Super Infrawoman, the long-awaited sequel to China's first superhero movie. Chow replied, Another time, kid. He brushed Dax aside, walked up to me, and snatched the Yongeri 1999 reel from my aching hand. He said to me, You'll be hearing from my lawyers, you sticky-fingered bastard. And you'll hear from the Monster Island legal action team, I retorted. Chow's eyes narrowed behind his gaudily cool sunglasses. He whipped out his knife and flailed it for several seconds before putting it back in his pocket and said to me, Be glad you have the right friends, all. but don't let me catch you in the bone slums ever again. With that, he stormed off while Dax pelted him with questions and story pitches. <sighs> Seething, I walked toward the nearest building and pounded its wall, but with my unhurt hand, thankfully, Jimmy walked up behind me and put his hand on my shoulder. I said, I'm getting a little tired of surviving failures thanks to other people saving my hide. But before Jimmy could reply, I said, let's go back to Ubermogra." We returned to our mecha home in silence. Did I do something incredibly stupid? Yeah, but I wanted to accomplish something after months. No, years of being held back and pushed around. Dang it. (sighs) End journal entry. MIFV, episode 83, epilogue. Kung fools starring nathan marchand as mif nate and robert kelly of record all monsters as hannibal chow written directed produced and edited by nathan marchand additional music tracks included controlled jazz by scott peoples featuring mustin flying heaven by zircon power rangers operation overdrive by neil stenson and beautiful oblivion by scott buckley sound effects sourced from freesound.org and created by jp gant our story segments were made possible by the generous mifv max members on patreon including executive producer damon noise this is a fan production and no copyright infringement is intended or implied all characters video clips and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders MIFV is a Moonlighting Ninjas media production and a proud member of Pod Nation. Thank you for listening. Next time, Davida and Goliathon.